this outfit. Whose idea was this? This is so bad. Those of you that are logging on right now in Norway are going, what is going on in America? It's a crazy time in which we live in, is it not? It was the summer of 1967. The, yeah, some of you remember. I don't, but you do. That's, yeah. That's okay. It's all good. It's the summer of 1967. Thousands upon thousands, some 75,000, maybe upwards to 100,000 young people gathered in a rundown San Francisco neighborhood known as Haight Ashbury District. They came from every corner of the United States. They drove their VW vans. They caught a train. You remember when trains were modes of transportation? Some of them even put their thumb out and hitchhiked across these United States. But they all converged, this cradle of youthful idealism in the summer of 1967. Some of them even wore flowers in their hair. Did they have anything in common? Not really. They all just were longing for something different. Something better. They wanted to see change. Once they arrived there in that hate Ashbury district of San Francisco, they began to take drugs. They made love. They made music. They raided thrift shops and Salvation Army countertops. Their idea was to develop this subculture that would change the world. Doesn't sound too different from our times. One of them said, what was cool was that you could join a group of strangers anytime, anywhere, and you knew that you would be accepted. You only had to walk out your door to join the fun. What those kids that flooded that district of San Francisco had in common was really not much with the exception of this. They'd left their parents and their homes to begin to live their lives on their own terms. They believed deeply that something better needed to take place in the United States and that something better somehow was going to take place. And with the exception of, 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 of anything that they listened to, even, even forsaking what their parents taught them, they simply chose to enjoy life and to somehow make a difference. Today, we need something better in our nation. Would you agree with me? To, 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 today, we need to believe that there is something better for us. I, I just, I have to take this off. I, I really, Pastor West, will you help me? I don't know how you ladies do that. It's just, it's awful. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, I'm shedding. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for turn the lights up for me now. We live in some crazy times, do we not? You know, that, that summer of 1967 was the beginning of something that we now know as the hippie movement. I asked someone that was 10 years old during that time, hey, how do I look? Said, you look great, but you don't smell like weed. Crazy times back then. Crazy times in which we live in today, are they not? Some of us are dazed and confused. Some of us are wondering 
How are things going to change and end? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous today speaking this message. For those of you in the house, and we have so many of you that are watching us online, thank you for carving out time today. This is a hard message to preach today. You know why? Because we've created a culture where I'm a little nervous of what to say. Because it seems like today you can't say the right thing, can you? If you don't say anything, well, you've said something. It's crazy times. We participated in things like Blackout Tuesday. We've been watching our social media posts for for weeks now with, with so many people chiming in and sharing their personal opinions. We've blasted out messages over the last 13 weeks, such as stay inside, shelter in place, and don't go out. That message is now given way to get out and protest. The times in which we live, we find so much pain and ugliness, death. It just seems like that's all you hear about in the news these days, is it not? I've had pastors sending messages to other pastors. They're trolling one another. One pastor saying, hey, I'm watching to see what all you pastors say. And if you don't stand up, you need to get out of the ministry. I've received other messages. I've received some messages from people even within this body. Offended that I use the word Afro. Although I asked one of my brothers of color, he just laughed that off and said, thank you. I'm afraid of what to say because I know that someone listening today in the house or online are going to say, you didn't say it the right way. We've got Christians going at each other. We got some people in this house lobbing bombs at one another. Other believers in our community, they're just the thing that Jesus asked for us to be one and united. We sang about one. Where is that? Is it possible? It's crazy times in which we live in. These days in which we find ourselves living in, we are lumping people into the same categories because you look a certain way or because you hold a certain profession or a job, and so that makes you one of them. People all around us are scared. They're angry. They're vocal. And sometimes, not all times, but just sometimes, people are even out of control, are they not? It's crazy times in which we live. We're tired, aren't we? We're tired of being cooped up. We're tired of of people being mistreated. We are tired of the injustice that we see all around us. I'm just going to be honest, I'm just plain tired. Anybody with a pastor today? I'm tired. And I want you to know that my heart hurts. My heart hurts. Something has to change. Would you agree with me? 
And I'm telling you, the change that we need is not just some vaccine that's being created right now in a laboratory. We need something else. You know what we need? We need Jesus. We need the love of Jesus. We need to love like Jesus. You know, you have to, you have to fight during these moments to, to not interject personal bias. Yeah, yeah I have to struggle and, and, and fight not to, to share political bias or personal preference, even, even in this moment. And, and I just want to, here, here's what's needed now is, is, is not some political rant, but we need a biblical perspective. And so today, that's what I want to share with you. Is that okay? I just want to share with you. I'm going to let the word of God speak to us today. As Pastor Chase and Pastor Chach and as, well, we don't normally dress like this around here for those of you that are guests. As you can see, we're launching into a new sermon series entitled The Summer of Love. I still think that this is very fitting for the times in which we live in. Not, not that we go to the extreme of, of, of that great song by the Beatles that all you need is love. Although there's a part of that that might be true, right? We are embarking on this idea of what does it mean for us to put the radical love of Jesus on display in our culture? You know, that word love should be a distinguishing mark for us as Christians. You believe that? The, the, the thing that we should be known for is, is, is not whether or not you go to church, not which church you go to, not, not whether or not you've got a cross wall in your home or, or what version of the Bible you do read, if you do read one, hard copy. <laughs> but what should distinguish us from the culture is this word love. And when I look at the word love and when I read the Bible and when I look at, at, at what, what, what is, it says to us, listen, you, you can't say that you love Jesus and not love people. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible that you just have to love some people, people that voted the way you voted, people that look just like you or, or people that, that live in your, in your state or in, in your nation. I, I don't find that anywhere in scripture. You can't say you love Jesus and not love other people. I, I would even go further. You can't say you love Jesus and not put that love on display. We're going to show you that in just a few seconds. Just doesn't work that way. True followers of Jesus demonstrate his love. Are we okay so far? They demonstrate that. They show that. And the scripture is quite clear that if we belong to Jesus, we will put the love of Jesus on display. And so that's our mission this summer. I'm not going to let you guys sit around and continue to get fat and lazy on us. We're going to start working on that COVID-19 that some of y'all put on this last three months. We're going to work this summer. Is that all right? Students, we're not going to take a break in the classroom of loving people this summer. We're going to work and we're going to get after it and we're going to challenge you. In fact, today before you leave, I just want to let you know, don't leave because I've got an assignment for every one of us online and in the house today that I believe that God wants us to initiate this week. Are you with me today? 
I spent some time with, with a friend of mine, and that's how he started the conversation. He said, I want you to know that you are my friend. You're my friend. It was a black gentleman. And I simply asked him the question and said, hey, what can we do as the church? What do we need to do? And of all the things that he shared with me in that conversation that we shared this week, he said, I, quote, we stand with God no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable that makes us with our family and our friends. That's a good word. We're going to stand with God no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable that makes us with family or friends. You know, these times in which we live in are not unique to us. You, you can go all throughout history and see that there have been times like this in which people have been, uh, un, have been treated unfairly, where there were injustices taking place, where people of different ethnicities were treated by someone different than theirs. All throughout history, we see that all throughout the ages. In fact, I, I was taken back to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk, Habakkuk was a prophet of God. A prophet of God was, a, was a, a mouthpiece, a spokesperson for God. They would get a word from God. They would go and deliver it to the king, to the leaders in the city. Most of the time, when a prophet showed up in your city, it was not good news. They were heralders, and they came and they shared a word. God sees this. God wants you to know this. Don't, I'm just the messenger, right? And in Habakkuk, we find that one of these messengers of God is actually angry with God as he surveys what's taking place in his city, Jerusalem. Judah has been ransacked. It's fallen. And lawlessness and craziness and lewd acts are running rampant. And this man of God, Habakkuk, writes these words, beginning in chapter one, verse two, he says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to serve. Wow. We probably have had similar thoughts and messages over the last seven to 10 days, have we not? Three months. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. And there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. So that justice has become perverted. Wow. Can we relate to some of these words? The prophet's crying out, Lord, how long do we need to cry out to you before you put an end to all this? God, I thought you're for us. When will this stop? How's it going to end? As the prophet Habakkuk stood there in Jerusalem. He pondered the state of his nation, Judah. And he was dumbfounded. So much evil, completely out in the open. But if you know how the book of Habakkuk progresses, you know that God 
did not remain silent. In fact, the very next verse in verse five, the Lord replies to Habakkuk and he says, look around at the nations, look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. That's what I'm longing for in our nation today. God has a plan that we can't even wrap our minds around and it is going to take a miracle working God, is it not? Chapter two, the Lord says, Habakkuk, I want you to write my answer plainly on tablets. Habakkuk, I want you to write down this vision that I'm about to share with you. A vision. I have a plan. You know, I believe that we as a nation have a vision. I I believe that there's a plan that has been written for these days in which we find ourselves living in. It was a plan that was submitted on July the 4th of 1776. And a portion of that vision, a portion of that plan says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The words from our very own Declaration of Independence. That all men, not some, our forefathers said all men are created what? Equal. My oh my. How we have strayed away from those words, have we not? That all men are created equal. If there's one thing that I know that we need to do, we need to live by the words of our very own declaration of independence. That everyone has been created equal. Not everybody's been treated equal, have they? But that's how they were created. You know, we also have a biblical declaration to live by. Not just a declaration for us as United States moving away from the rule and tyranny of England. But there is also a biblical declaration that we as the church are to live by. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, beginning of verse 7, the word of the Lord says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now listen, I don't stand before you today and profess to be some great deep theologian. I've not written any books. Um, I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't have everything figured out. I'm just a boy from a small town, Wiley, Texas, that have probably had way too many blows to my head, but you know that, and you keep coming every week. Thank you. 
But I don't believe that you've got to be a theologian or a rocket scientist to begin to see the truth of those two verses I just read for you. Love is a sign that we belong to Jesus. And he says that if you don't love, well, then that's probably a sign, Charles, that you don't belong to him. Does that make sense to you? That love that we have is demonstrated first and foremost to God. That's why when we gather, we're going to sing and we're going to worship. We're going to praise him. By the way, I hope that you make that a part of your daily regimen, that you worship. God. When you sing, when you worship, when you, you, you are loving on God. That love that we have is demonstrated first and foremost to God, but it's also demonstrated towards other people. We love as he has loved us. That passage goes on to say in verse nine, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, here's the thing about God. God didn't just preach a good sermon. God didn't just give prophets a word to deliver. And then God didn't just say, hey, I want you guys to love. I think it's a great idea. I would love for you to consider it. That's not what verses nine and 10 say here. God did something to prove that love. He sent his son, one and only, to die for us. Action was taken by the love of God. Aren't you thankful for that? He wasn't just speaking and preaching and, 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 and no, no. He, he, he did something to show his love for us. He put that in to action. He did something. I, I think that's where we fall short. We talk a lot, but do little. We, we, we speak a great message. We may even speak a biblical message, but we oftentimes fall short in living that out. Am I talking to anybody right now? I love this verse of scripture. And I know that you probably have heard this at least once. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible and the verse right after it is probably the most neglected verse in the Bible. The best and the most neglected. In John chapter three, verse 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many people? Everyone. Everyone who believes. Everyone. You sang about it as a kid, many of you. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Everyone is the recipient and has the opportunity to come to the salvation, the saving, gracious love of Jesus. Are you with me? He died for the world, not just some, all. All. The Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal. The declaration of God says, I love everybody and all of you. Oh, I want to know me. And verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to what? 
save the world through him. And we could go so many places with that, but God out of all the people, and by the way, you wanna know what, who has the right to render justice? The only one who is just, God. He is just, but even he did not come to judge people. Why do we? He looked past your junk and funk. Why are you holding mass above everybody else's head? And saying, you're not worthy. Your skin's a different color. You, you, you went to that high school. You drive that. I can't believe you voted for her, him or her. Why? Somehow we've placed ourselves on that seat that we know what's right and what's best. I'm just telling you, if God did not come into this world to judge the world, his son did not come to judge the world, I am not gonna assume that role. That's what I want you to see today because Ezra's here and that's my cue that I'm talking too long. We're reminded that true love involves acting, not just feeling. Some of your hearts have been broken and hurt by what you've seen over the last 13, 14 weeks. My challenge to you is what are you gonna do about that? You're just gonna continue to sit there and hurt and stew over to get fired up more as you watch world news tonight? Or will you step out and do something about it? Here's what I do know. If we're going to be the people of God, we have got to love the people that God loves. And who are the people that he loves? The world. The immigrant. The single parent. The homeless person. The red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in His sight. If I love you, Lord, then I'm gonna love the things you love. Here's what I do know. It's time for us to come together. It's time for us to love each other. It's time for us to seek a solution for what's happening in our world. And this might be the place where I do get in trouble today because I've been biblical. But I, I believe, hear my heart, it's time for us to get off our knees and do something. You know, I was heard the joke all my life that, oh man, you got holes in your knees. Well, that's because I'm on my knees in prayer. Praise God, I love prayer. Some of us don't just need to wear the knees of our jeans out. We need to wear the soles of our shoes out. And we need to get out off our knees and do something. Faith without works is dead. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be 
doers of the word. I'm all for prayer. Don't send me ugly emails. I, I pray. See my jeans? But it's time for us to take some steps. So I've got some action steps for you this week. I warned you, I told you, and this is the last thing and you're gonna get out of here. You're gonna take photos with the bug and you're gonna go home, okay? Here, here's the last thing I want you to know today. Action steps. I can't force you to do this, but I believe that the Holy Spirit of God wants you to consider what I'm about to share with you. The first one's for you. Number one, where is your heart on this issue today and what's happening in our world? Do you demonstrate bias and prejudice towards someone? I wanna ask you to really seek God with that. God, would you search my heart and would you expose anything in my heart towards people that is not of you? And then I'm gonna ask you to do something. I want you to repent of that sin. For you not to love people the way that Jesus loved people is sin. We need to repent. And so secondly, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. What step will you take to enter the world of someone from a different ethnicity seeking understanding and healing? Seeking understanding and healing. Listen, I'm not just talking about having an hour conversation with someone. I'm talking about really diving into their world and hearing their heart and listening being willing to do something as a result. Would you stand with me today as I pray? Father, I want to thank you for today and for your word. Lord, in times in which there are so many conflicting messages, it is always good to get back to your word to see what your response should be. Lord, thank you for the encouragement that the times in which we live in are not unique to us. God, you've already spoken to it and you've got the remedy. There's healing that you want to bring. And God, I believe it's going to come through us as we love the way that you love. God, I pray that this week others would see the love of Jesus in us and that it would be demonstrated through us. All for your glory in Jesus' name.